from Gay BC, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy, Chick Maxson, and Johnny Mack. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour. I um, hope you're having a good Thursday so far. Um, I'm happy to report we had a little bit of a mini monsoon here, but it is abated. Uh, how are things going in your neck of the woods, uh, Johnny and Chick? Uh, it's going pretty good. Yeah, I just got off of work a little while ago, but I'm at home now. And again, it went pretty good. Ready to work. <laughs> From work to work. But this is more like play. So, Yeah, this it, is the fun stuff. It's always, yeah. I work today, too, but I work in the shower. And no, it wasn't anything naughty. <laughs> Nothing triple X. Uh, I actually, I hate doing this, and I hate to admit that I did do this because I only do it usually around once a year. But I went in and I scrubbed the heck out of my, um, out of my walk-in shower today because we have the hard water deposits, a lot of mineral in the water here in the desert, and mm-hmm. so you know eventually that stuff builds up in the glass. We used to have a squeegee in the shower and I don't know what happened to it. It's somebody put the five finger discount on our squeegee. And so rather than, you know, squeegeeing down the glass after each shower, it's just, you know, all this hard water deposit building up on it. And yep. it's such a pain in the neck to scrub that stuff off. And so I did that and cleaned the tiles today and and all that and and afterwards I thought I'm just going to go jump in the pool <laughs> and uh, <laughs> relax. And so sure enough, I went out and it was like 86 degrees and perfect. So I spent a little time in the pool this afternoon. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, your mention of hard water deposits, um, before we get into the, the meat of the show and, and all the other stuff, I will say I will throw out there early and I will throw out there often um, barkeeper's friend, uh, it is a magic product for the kitchen, for the bath. Anytime you have any kind of deposit of any of any style, Barkeeper's Friend is literally a magic product. So I will, I will, I I, I would love for them to sponsor the show because I love that stuff. But um, we well, should have saved this for our last segment of the show. Oh, I have something else. <laughs> well, we are later we in get- the program going to get into product recommendations and demerits, and we're going to welcome you to participate in that as well. So I'll just tell you right now, that's going to be at the end of next hour. Uh, at the end of the program uh, this week. And we'll probably do it in that same space each week. So um, if you want to call in at any point throughout our program uh, tonight, if you're listening to the live broadcast, the phone number is 760, that's the area code, 760-677-0111. That number is also on the gbc.com homepage, so you'll find it there if you forget it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, if you're a regular listener and you have stuff from the previous episode that interested you and you wanted to kind of weigh in on, give a call. If there's anything during the show that that strikes your fancy, give us a call. Um, we would love to hear uh, hear from from you guys. So uh, with we, that, um, as we usually do uh, on the happy hour, um, it's going to be a mix of, of, you know, 
the good, the bad, and the ugly tonight. But um, mm-hmm. I think we've got some great news to start off with, right? We do. And it's, it's, it brings up, it's not only good news, but it also just brings up kind of a really important topic, which is uh, uh, there was uh, recently the groundbreaking at DC's first LGBT is the name of it. You, you just broke and, up there for a second, Richie. So try that again at, at um, Washington, D.C.'s first LGBTQ what? A senior home. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's the name is Mary's House. And I believe it has. it's going to have 15 uh, rooms or 15 accommodations. Um, but it's really great to see these popping up. Um, you know, there are some groups out there. Sage is one that comes to mind which is kind of a national uh, group for LGBTQ senior issues. And it's a really important topic that I think doesn't get discussed enough and doesn't get the kind of glitz and glamour of other sort of LGBTQ issues, but is really important because, you know, just statistically speaking, um, there are uh, a lot of LGBTQ folks um, who, you know, get up there in age who are, uh, maybe not partnered, who don't have children, who might be distant from their extended family. And uh, so we kind of, as a community, need to take care of them. And um, so seeing things like this, this uh, you know, this uh, facility in D.C. going up is really great. It is. And, you know, folks here in my community where I live in Palm Springs, uh, it's kind of one of the. This is one of those places where I think sometimes it's taken for granted because, first of all, there's a lot of people who come here to live their senior years, and mm-hmm. secondly, uh, because the Palm Springs market is a very LGBTQ friendly uh, place, and and I think that the city limits of Palm Springs itself, the municipality, is about forty percent LGBTQ. So. Mm. Um, you know, we have these things, and I think, you know, there's like two or three uh, senior facilities that range from being uh, like assisted living facilities for people who need help, uh, you know, with, with health-related things and all that, to uh, apartment communities that people have varying levels of assistance as a senior. So it might be independent living and also some level of of assisted living and then full care living, you know, within the same place, but depending on, you know, what package you buy into to go and live in those environments. But here's the thing. They're all generally really expensive. Mm-hmm. And and it, it scares me to think that people would have to, you know, have quite a uh, nest egg put away to, you know, to cover that. Yeah, it's a really big problem. It's a really big issue because, yeah, because the thing is, um, you know, for for LGBTQ elders um, who live, depending on where in the country you live and your means, um, your the availability of of a various sort of assisted housing is kind of at the whims of you know a lot of different social services and things, and it may be with people who are especially, you know, depend, you know, people who are currently kind of getting up in age, you might be in a facility with people who generally are really anti-gay. 
um, and you know, and and aren't and and just sort of socially that's isolating. But it also can just can also just lead to a lack of quality of care because your whole pipeline of of assistance and whether you're getting care through the VA or through Medicare, um, the social programming that they have that's available. Uh, you're the people who you're in contact with are not people who are going to get you necessarily. And that's right. really, really alarming. And, and, you know, I think a thing that is totally under discussed. Totally agreed. Yeah. I think that we should actually try and get some resources on the show from different organizations around the country uh, that work with helping seniors. And, and I think that, you know, before it's, too late you should really be starting to think about this when you're in your 40s and 50s uh, and starting to plan for what you might be doing at the time that you do uh, reach full retirement or you know stop working anyway and and need to think about you know where you're going to be we'd all love to be able to know that we would draw our last breath in our own home or our own bed Um, but a lot of times that's just not uh, practical situation because of things that you don't even know might be wrong with you at that life stage. No, it's a great point. Um, and, you know, I think it's something that um, that everyone should be thinking about really at any age. Um, and, you know, to kind of broaden out the topic a little bit, um, you know, one of the things that is related to that is, um, is that I think any everyone but especially if you're a member of the lgbtq community should be very invested in and and focused on at at the earliest point possible uh getting having a medical proxy in place and uh, a living will in place because um you know medical proxy can be very important um because you might not let's say let's say you're you know you're someone who's not partnered uh whether you know by circumstance or by choice um but you know you might have certain thoughts about how you want your care to take you know take place if you're not in a position to advocate for yourself and um you know that's where things like having a medical proxy is really important and you know you can figure out which of your friends um, you know, you can have that discussion with, and, um, you know, it kind of, it's, it's, it's discussions that used to have to take place before gay marriage existed. Um, you know, now gay marriage allows for a certain default, but it's important for single people and for people who aren't partnered to still have those discussions with themselves. Richie and Chick, I can't tell you how many friends or people who were friends of friends of mine that I have heard stories about the nightmares where something suddenly happens, they end up in a situation where they are unable to make decisions for themselves. Something happens, they have a stroke or a heart attack mm-hmm. or you know some, some major health issue, and hospitals have a protocol that they go by, but because there was no legal documentation in place to specify these things, families come in and maybe in some instances it's been family members who have been estranged from those Mm -hmm. people for a period of time or you know just you know absolutely preclude people from being who who are trusted by the person who who gets sick 
um, from being able to make decisions for them or even being able to visit them in a hospital. So it's really important to have all this stuff specified in a, in, in a legal document. And I mean, nobody better on this show to talk about that kind of stuff than Richie uh, yourself because you are in the legal profession. And there's a lot of people who practice law that can help you in places all across the country uh, who have an expertise in this area. And and you should absolutely reach out and try and uh, utilize those kinds of resources from people who know what they're doing in terms of LGBTQ uh, life planning issues. Yeah, it's really important. Um, and I think, you know, I think in terms of... Um, in terms of importance, you know, I think at any age, a medical proxy is essential um, because, again, if you're not able to advocate for yourself, um, you know, they will default sometimes to family. And sometimes you're on the same page as your as you know, and they'll go by, you know, parents and then sibling and then they'll go down the line. It's sort of like it's a determined kind of thing. Uh, you might be on the same page, but you might very much not be. Um, but if you have a friend who has a, you know, properly executed medical proxy and you've had the discussions with them, um, they can go into the hospital. They can and they can they have access to you. They can make decisions that, you know, they it's it's sort of like they it's like they trump the, the default setting. Um, so that's important. Living will really important. And again, you know, as Johnny said, these are things that they're not that tricky um, a lot of it's stuff that you can do mostly yourself. Um, but just you, have it you know, in place. Yeah, and just get it in place. Um, and uh, it, it and, and then you know to go back to kind of the the genesis of this conversation, um, all of that's kind of part and parcel of keeping in mind and thinking about. Um, you know, a lot of I think a lot of LGBTQ folk have a little bit of a Peter Pan syndrome and don't want to think about things like, well, I'm going to be old someday and I'm going to have to deal with where I live and how I get taken care of. And uh, if you, you know, if you don't have, you know, a bunch of kids to just kind of, you know, take turns, you know, paying attention to you or whatever, something's got to happen. So, you know, there, it's a lot of planning and it's not fun planning, but it's really essential planning. Yeah. Uh, it was just we were just dealing with it last night. Uh, my partner's employer uh, had to go to the hospital a couple of days ago because of an incident that occurred while he was at uh, at uh, physical therapy, and uh, you know, and again, everybody's like, you know, where's the paperwork? You know, need to make sure that we're talking to the right people and yeah. and all that. You also you don't want to take this thing lightly either. You know really make sure that the person that you're going to designate in those roles uh, as, you know, your eyes, ears, brain, and, you know, decision maker, make sure that that's somebody that you know you can trust. And I'd also, you know, make sure that you've had a thorough conversation with them to specify, you know, in real time, not just in writing what you want them to do, but but you really talk with them, talk it through, and make sure that you're on the same page about that. Don't surprise somebody by, uh, surprise, you're, you're the legal guardian, or you know you have mm -hmm. uh, the you know the power of attorney here. Uh, you know it can't be something like that because your wishes may not be followed. 
Yeah. No, it's it's really important. Um, and it's something definitely to consider, even if you're in a domestic relationship or, you know, um, in a committed relationship with someone long term, but let's say marriage is not on the horizon or is coming up, still get the paperwork in place um, because you never know. Yes, indeed. And you know what? Uh, we are just about to uh, take a little time out here for a second. And before we do that, I want to let you know that uh, we're going to talk about um, somebody who may have been exactly in that situation. Unfortunately, they lost their life in our next segment. But uh, it could have gone either way uh, because of the circumstances uh, behind it. Actually, not in the next segment, but the one coming up after that. Next, though, we are going to get an opportunity to uh, talk about somebody who made quite a splash in our pop culture, especially in the 1980s. Uh, he's somebody who left the face of the earth this week, and it has saddened many people from coast to coast and actually around the globe. We will mourn the passing of the irreplaceable, irre- <laughs> irrepressible Pee Wee Herman next. Happy Hour on Gay BC. No agenda, except for that gay one. <laughs> Welcome back to the Happy Hour. And I want to start this segment. I'm going to try something. Johnny, let me know if this works, if you can hear this. Um, I'm going to try to play a little something, but hold on. Well, we'll wait until the music uh, cuts out. But um, I've got a little... A little sound cue um, that I think uh, people might recognize. Can you hear that? No. No? Okay. Well, shoot. Uh, (laughs) Technical glitch. Um, I was playing a little clip from um, the Breakfast Machine sequence of the uh, iconic movie Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. Um, And uh, the... I have to say, this this uh, loss really bummed me out. Pee-wee, I think, um, was one of sort of a really seminal and iconic person for me growing up. Um, I remember the original HBO um, comedy special. We had a tape of it, and that had Jombie, and it had uh, you know all of the the characters. And um, Pee-wee's Playhouse, you know, growing up was. Uh, a staple show and just the irrepressible again just the the complete chaotic queer um campy vibes at all times and peewee's playhouse just was a show i you know i grew up on and just the 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 reveling in weirdness and just queer fun that was like available to watch on network tv 
I mean, I, I can't think of anything that was kind of, that's more radical than the fact that Pee Wee's Playhouse was a thing that kids got to watch growing up. And, you know, everything from, you know, uh, people wearing sequin Speedos to a talking chair to, you know, just an old campy film strips and the whole vibe, uh, you know, and and, uh, you know, the the legion of people that have come out uh, after his passing and talked about, you know, how sweet he was and how decent and how he sent everyone Christmas cards. But, you know, also someone like, you know, Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo was this was the musical director of Pee Wee's Playhouse. And he he was like, there was no reason why I should ever have gotten that job. It was like. It, you know, I had never done anything like that before. And Pee Wee was like, you want to do this? And just gave and just that that kind of chaotic, creative spirit that he brought to everything. Um, I just I can't speak highly enough about he was sort of like the gay Mr. Rogers, you know, just this kind of just this 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 great, just effervescent personality and i'm so bummed that we lost him but it just gives me you know uh, and gives all of us an opportunity to kind of remember all of the amazing fun that he brought to us i have to admit uh i never watched his show i mean i knew who he was because he had become so inserted into our pop culture but um and I don't know why, because I didn't really, you know, I wasn't the kind of snooty person to have their nose in the air or anything, but I just kind of was like, you know, WTF, <laughs> what is this? And um, it never really sparked with me. But, I mean, certainly uh, I can appreciate that multiple generations of people, and especially people growing up in the 1980s, uh, and through that period, uh, you know, loved him. Um, I, of course, I had to go back and, and look some stuff up after he passed. News came out that he'd passed this past week uh, because I had remembered that there was uh, some sort of a criminal charge that had come out against him. And um, it wasn't really clear to me uh, the whole nature of it, I know that it was downgraded, but that he was originally charged with being in possession of um, pornography that in, that featured people under the legal age. And I never really remembered hearing much else about that. So um, it was interesting to me that he was, uh, especially being gay, that he was so well-liked and he had that, in his background and he was gay you know like it, that would have seemed to me that you know people would have used that well, to tear him apart well to be clear and i because i remember that that was kind of that was sort of thrown around at the time i think what it was is that i think there was there was a, a public exposure um thing he was in an adult theater i believe it was and was kind of caught you know with some sort of public exposure thing afterward, there was some, something I imagine what it was is that, you know, if you look back at things like physique pictorial back in the day, kind of vintage porn, yeah. um, you know, 
there was no, there's never been kind of any, any characterization at all that he was in possession of any kind of illicit materials. I think that there was a lot of scandal talk at the time after the public exposure um, charge. And, um, you know, I think... And come on, who among us hasn't had a little public exposure? And I I just, I think that that was this kind of like momentary character assassination situation. I don't think that, and, and, you know, that kind of all blew over because that's not really, uh, none of that was really substantiated. And it was just, it was kind of a really, like a little blip and and sort of a just a, a, a dark moment in a long trajectory of lightness. And yeah. I, I, I think that that's not really a point to even dwell on. Um, because yeah, I, mean, I saw a lot of, of, uh, you know, very well-known figures in Hollywood uh, who had written things about him after he passed and, and all very, very generous. Uh, Katie Seagal was a, apparently a very close friend of his and and uh they're you know they went way back i have a friend personal friend in florida who went to high school with him they grew graduated from the same class and spoke of him and about how talented he was all the way you know back then and how he was never surprised by how well he he did in his life yeah we're gonna yeah and and you know we're going to be back we, in just a we, moment we, with more conversation uh, with Richie Roy and Chick Max, and I'm Johnny Mack. And when we come back, we will get into a conversation about a gentleman named O'Shea Sibley from Brooklyn, New York. once a week but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them the hosts will tell you where if you ask nicely hello (laughs) and welcome back and uh hope you all can hear me well i I hear that um there might be some some glitchiness we are having a little bit of precipitation here which um given that uh gbc hq east is a little bit rural um sometimes happens so apologies in advance for any of that um but uh, a story that's uh, a pretty upsetting story um for this week is um actually came out of brooklyn um so O'Shea O'Shea sibley uh who's uh a, i believe he's 28 28 years old uh was a uh a, a gay man who was dancing with some friends uh, in a gas station parking lot and uh, was confronted by some homophobes um, who some young teenage homophobes who took issue at literally just some ebullient, you know, joyous dancing. And uh, O'Shea was stabbed and ultimately killed. Um for the crime of dancing while gay. I mean, it's really a really alarming and, and sad story. Um, and, you know, it's it just kind of is a reminder um, that, you know, 
that there are folks out there um, who are so full of hate and so full of um, of lack of just consideration of even just basic humanity that they will they, they will stab someone um, for just dancing in a gas station parking lot. Yeah, it's uh, when you sent me the story, uh, it just made me sick to my stomach. You know, it's it it is such a it's just so outrageous that people have that much hate in their heart that they can do that to somebody that they don't even know, somebody who is doing nothing wrong, acting completely joyfully in public, and then claiming to um, have it violate their sensibilities because of religious reasons. You know, they claim to be Muslim and that it was an assault on their, you know, religious rights. I'm sorry, you don't get religious rights that interfere with other people's right to simply live. If uh, And you... You don't you don't get religious rights to murder people in a gas station because no. they were dancing like that. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, yeah. Like yeah. I, it doesn't fly. And this guy, this guy who uh, is alleged to have committed this horrendous crime, having committed previous uh, inappropriate acts, apparently at the same location at that same gas station. Um. You know they're not. They have not announced his name because he is a a minor, and mm-hmm. um, you know, but he should. I think when he's seventeen years old and he does something that serious, he should be treated as an adult. I personally, I will uh, admit that I am opposed to the death penalty. Uh, I d- don't believe in state-sponsored murder. But I do believe that he should pay a substantial, if he's found guilty, he should pay a substantial price for what he has done in destroying other people's lives. Because it's not just it's not just O'Shea Sibley, it's his family and everybody else who cared about him and loved him. You know, I, I noticed that uh, that there were a couple of people in uh, the pop pop culture scene i think a couple of pop stars who have actually um spoken out about this and um he was very well regarded in philadelphia and elsewhere for his talents as a young dancer and it's just a shame that you know another young black man in this case he also happened to be gay has been killed for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think you know you made a good point about um, about the the punishment sort of being reflective of what this actually is because it it's a heinous it's a heinous murder first of all it affects the family the friends but also it's why. I, it's why hate crimes laws are on the books is because it also 
it's it's a chilling it's chilling. It sends a chilling message to folks who are LGBTQ that you can just be be on guard because you might just get killed for being effusively yourself. You know, that's that is an additional harm. You know, it's it's a societal harm. It's a societal harm to people. Um, I, I see we've got a, a hand up here. Yeah, uh, we have a caller. Um, okay. Jordy, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good, Good to be back. Thank you. And uh, did you want to make a comment about uh, about this tragic uh, loss of O'Shea Sibley? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I heard about it, and I was like, "Oh God, this is just so." Um, the thoughts that I've had, um, kind of reflect back onto, you know, kind of our political situation where they're, you know, they started targeting schools and drag queens and, um, ultimately, um, our culture. And, um, this is the result. Uh, this is the result of what happens when you start spreading this stuff from a really high spot, like in politics, you give people license to dehumanize you. Um, and that is unfortunately what we are seeing now in this um, and really horrible uh, tragedy. Um, yeah. You know, this is, this is just something that just goes to show that like, we need to stand together as a community um, because we are on the line. Um, you know, uh, I, I do my best to embrace other people. Um, you know, I don't, I don't agree with what a lot of people do, um, but I allow them to be free. And, um, you know, this, this yeah, is and you, you bring up sad. a good point, you know, which is that, um, you know, when the message is LGBTQ folks can be discriminated against, you know, for, you know, whether it's making a website or a cake, um, you know, what and and that trans folks can be sort of folk you know, sort of forced mm-hmm. into not existing through, you know, legal detransitioning things, um, you know, it kind of it, it, it speaks to, like you said, a dehumanization, a kind of. Um, it's like a, it's like a seal of approval that this is a community that doesn't matter. And if someone and and then to have the additional layer of kind of just a, you know, someone just saying, you know, you I disapprove of you because of my faith uh, and that somehow, um, you know, tied in with everything means that your life literally is meaningless enough to just extinguish Um that's that's a really alarming place for us to be at. Absolutely. And um, I really do believe that, you know, I think this is just kind of the beginning. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I think things are going to get worse. Um, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I, I pray that that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, I think we need to consider the the eventuality that, you know, things can get really ugly for us. And we need to... Um, be voting, taking taking action, protesting. We need to be taking um, action into our own hands and um, standing together with our community instead of fighting with our community 
um, which is, you know, the, the gays. We, we love, we love, you know, a, a good drama, drama, yeah. some drama. Mm-hmm. We love drama. But um, at the end of the day, um, we got to protect our own. Absolutely. And I think it also I think it's also important um, that in moments like this that we demand more from our from exactly. allies, our straight mm-hmm. allies. I think that like that, that it, this is a you know the kind of these crystallizing moments that like we need you know we we can we should really be supporting you know and and advocating on our own behalf, but we need more support than just, a rainbow flag once a year, you know, on a, mm-hmm. on a Coors can, like we actually need allies to step up and to advocate and to be, and to, let's say, you know, in a, in a moment at a restaurant or something where someone says something transphobic or homophobic, we need our allies to be there when we're not there and to be like, that's not cool. Actually, no, like standing up, when we're not there is like, we need, we need that level of allyship and we need to demand it. Absolutely. I, I fervently agree with you. I also think that when these kinds of stories come out in various communities across the country, some, a lot of times we won't hear about them. Now we do here because we go looking for this stuff all over the country, but a lot of people get it only if they live in the, you know, local vicinity of where one of these stories you know, breaks and makes news. And I think that when people do live in those kinds of places, it's important that our allies also be out there to talk with other people who are close to them and express how outraged they are by these kinds of things happening and that it affects people that are close to them. Because even if those other people don't have friends or family members who are part of the LGBTQ community in, in this instance, uh, to be talking about that and to be thinking about those things can, you know, help make a reflection and a difference when those people are going to the polls and having to understand that, yeah, these people are being unfairly harmed and, you know, and my vote could help make a difference in terms of stopping this kind of stuff from going on. Because as we've seen over the last, you know, seven years, there has been a shift politically in this country uh, by tens of millions of people to feel like it's now okay for them to be out and open about their hatred for people because of their color or their orientation or their gender identity, etc., and, and we have to get people to be aware and think about how these things are happening and not like, oh, well, it doesn't affect me. So, you know, I'm just going to go on with my life. And to right. not to put too fine a point on it, but in this particular instance, too, is that um, despite these re- rulings out of the Supreme Court, I think that the message needs to be loud and clear Religion is not a get out of jail free card for hate. It, it, and, and if it, and it, if people feel like it is, they need to be disabused of that notion because it's just uh, the idea that someone can, can think that because they're, you know, that, you know, that they're of whatever faith that they have a free ride to extinguish a life because someone is gay and dancing. Like, 
we need to figure out a way that that is not normalized. And and the idea that someone even has that thought, some 17-year-old out there has that thought, really goes to the point that we need more, not less, education about LGBTQ folks in schools starting early. Yeah. Jordy, thank you so much for your call. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. You bet. And you're welcome so. to call back anytime, please. Thank you so much. Thank you. 760-677-0111 is our listener line number. That's 760-677-0111. Let your thoughts, your opinion, your questions or comments uh, be a part of our discussion anytime, any week here on the live edition of the GBC Happy Hour, which is available uh, usually within an hour or so after our live broadcast as a podcast on demand if you've set up from your favorite podcasting portal to have it download uh, as each new uh, podcast is, is uploaded. But we'd love to have you join us as well on our live shows, which are on Thursday evenings between 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 to 9 Central and 5 to 8 Pacific Time. Uh, so you can join us and interact with the program uh, live and in real time. Chick, how do you feel about this? I mean, you live in a state where a lot more people, I think, have to worry about these things than people who live in New York. Sadly, it happened in New York in this case, in Brooklyn. But, you know, we always hear a lot of uh, uh, Bubba stories from down in the Lone Star State. I mean, of course, it's an awful story. It's an awful thing that occurred, but it's, I mean, the, again, the amount of hatred that some 17 year old has to do something like that, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's unforgivable. And I think here in like Texas, yes, something like that would be more likely to occur and you know i live in a small town and there is i mean just from bumper stickers and stuff there it, there is a there is a lot of hatred for gay people and trans people here and they i mean they're they're free to do they're free to express that and it's like they they, they just have a free pass to do it yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, something else that dawns on me is th there's multiple losers in situations like this, including people of the Muslim faith, because there's a lot of good people who whose um, faith is, uh, you know, in that religion and who would never support these kinds of behaviors. But this is the kind of thing that makes other people think, you know, well, they're awful people. You know, not every yeah. Muslim person is a terrorist. But boy, when you fly a plane into one of our buildings and kill a lot of people, it, it's kind of hard to forget that. So I, mean, I, I would suggest for all of us just in his memory to just dance a little bit with a little bit more reckless abandon, you know, in yeah. the coming weeks and just kind of reclaim, you know. Absolutely. With Richie Roy and Chick Maxson, I'm Johnny Mack, and you're listening to the GBC Happy Hour. 
from gbc.com. Thank you for being along with us. We'll continue in a moment. Come on, turn that frown upside down. It's the happy hour on GBC. Hello, and welcome back to the happy hour. Um, and I want to thank again, Jordy, for, for calling in in the last segment. And if you have any thoughts on anything we've talked about so far, again, the number is 760-677-0111. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. Who out there, if he wasn't married, would like to hook up with Mayor Pete Buttigieg? <laughs> He's a handsome <laughs> devil. So, so to get to our next subject, yes, the skies are about to get a little bit friendlier to fly. Um, thanks in, in some part to... Uh, everyone's favorite gay secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Um, I like this. I like this story because it's actually a, a good thing that's happening in air yeah. travel. Yeah. Um, and you, there are so few good things lot, happening in air travel. If you fly anywhere anymore, uh, yeah, you get there quicker. Uh, that's like the only upside I think to air travel anymore. Because I don't know about you, Richie, or Chick, um, but the last, I don't know. I can't even think of a flight that I was on since 9-11 that hasn't basically been sold out. Oh, yeah. And and when, you know, they cut back the number of flights they had at a lot of places, it was not unusual to be on planes that were usually about, you know, two-thirds, three-quarters sold but not where every damn seat in the house was was gone and mm-hmm. and and the rows well let me tell maybe it's just my ass but the the chairs they're getting tighter and the rows are getting narrower so you've got less leg room i literally had somebody put their seat back a couple of years back and i didn't even have enough room for my knees and i was sitting in uh you know, in the section where they put all the cows and pigs and and llamas and all that. And it, it's just so unpleasant to fly anymore. And people, you know, they get their feelings hurt and stuff and start fights. And, you know, it just, it's awful. And then, lo and behold, Mother Nature calls. And you got to get up and make your way to the lavatory, which is, you know, it reminds me of the first hotel room I stayed at in Amsterdam where I couldn't even shut the, the sitting on the commode, I couldn't even shut the door to the, to the water closet, as they called it. So uh, I, am, I am thrilled to know that Secretary Pete is doing this. Right. So what so what what we're talking about here is that they've announced a new regulation, a new um, FAA regulation requiring that bathrooms on single aisle 
uh, air, airplanes be large enough to be accessible, basically accessible, you know, for ADA type of situations, you know, sort of wheelchair and other things. Um, because previously there was a regulation in place for dual aisle planes, which, um, you know, are, are by and large international at this point. Um, you know, part of this has to do with the fact that over time, more and more planes, uh, long haul planes in the U S became single aisle, uh, in the past, um, you know, sort of long hauls like LA to New York or something might've been dual aisle, but, um, basically all domestic travel now is single aisle planes. And, uh, because of, as you mentioned, the pitch of the seats has gotten tighter and tighter and the bathrooms have literally gotten smaller and smaller, um, to the point that they're no longer oftentimes accessible. Um, and I think this is a really, um, common or sort of a, a common sense regulation. Um, you know, if you, if you, if you look into any kind of, um, accessibility, uh, content online, uh, as it is, um, accessibility issues on planes is a really big problem. Um, a lot of airplanes, they're not, they don't have, um, they, there are special little wheelchairs that are actually designed to go down the aisle, but a lot of times those aren't available. Um, so there's a lot of accessibility issues with air travel in general. Um, but the idea that there should at least be an access an accessible lavatory on what is essentially all domestic flights, it's it's beyond a no-brainer, and I'm just really glad that they're doing this. I think that they should go a step further and that they should have to have rows that are made for people who are um, uh, needing ADA provisions. Uh, you know, like even to be able to stand up I mean, sometimes because people have their seats pitched back, you can't even stand upright trying to get out of your seat to get out mm -hmm. into the aisle to go use a restroom. And, yeah. you know, there needs to be at least enough space for a person who has disability to be able to maneuver safely on and off the aircraft or to a restroom. Uh, that's just absurd to me. And it's all because of greed by the yeah. airlines. And I think it I think it goes to it goes to two points at the same time. I think that there's I think um there's certain industries and I think that air travel is one of them um where ableism is really really in full display. And ableism also uh you know dovetails in with ageism because the thing is realistically as you age you're going to have more sort of physical impin you know impingements yeah and um you know and it basically you know with a lot of air travel it's kind of like well you know if you're of a certain size if you have certain disabilities if you're if you're of a certain age and you have these sort of you know uh limitations you're SOL. It's like, okay, well, too bad for you. You know, maybe if you can afford it, you can be a little comfortable in business or first class a bit. But um, yeah, there's this idea. And the thing is, air travel, realistically, um, in a country as large as ours, and with a, a population as mobile as ours is, is for many people a necessity. Now, um, and before people start thinking, well, 
you know, those planes are awfully small. I just want to tell you that <laughs> I recently watched a, a video, I think it was in social media, where they were going aboard uh, uh, several different jets that were operated by different airlines that had in their premium class of service on both Boeing and Airbus jets uh, these seats that are more than seats, they're like a bedroom uh, for people in their first class section. Mm -hmm. So they could go with one fewer VIP seat um, and you know, where they've got a bed and a seat and a table and, you know, uh, area uh, with a little sofa where you can have somebody else come in and sit and talk with you. They can do with one less of those. Now, mind you, those were all the, you know, really large aircraft. But but it seems to me that, you know, if you got to lose two rows to accommodate, then lose the two rows. Absolutely. We will have another great hour of the GBC Happy Hour coming up for you. And in the next hour, we're going to talk about Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She signed a ban on conversion therapy of minors. That's good news. Trans patients are suing a hospital in Tennessee, or a transphobic attorney general, over giving records to the state and we're also going to get into talking about a meltdown by an idiot at Petco over a gender neutral bathroom so stay with us great hour ahead the happy hour with Richie Roy Chick Maxson and Johnny Mac. These homosexuals are scheming for world domination. Good grief. What is it with every talk show host thinking they should run the planet? Anywho, back to the GBC Happy Hour. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. Sorry, I was just still chuckling about um, RFK Jr. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's, that's, a, that's a news story, I guess, if you want it to be. Um, but uh, welcome back, everyone. Again, uh, our number is 760-677-0111. If anything is, is striking your fancy, you want to chat with us about it, we'd love to hear from you. And you know, I will put out there a pitch, too. If you're enjoying the show live, um, we are so happy that you're joining us. If you're listening as a podcast, um, you could do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever service you use. And uh, give us a rating, too. Um, I, I know that that is really helpful for people finding the show. So um, we would love uh, any and all of that would be much appreciated. But thank you all for listening. Yeah, if you do do that, um, Chick has promised that he will uh, provide you with uh, personal services. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he will. Uh, he he will do a a a, a, a one on one landscaping console. His voluminous beard <laughs> on your tush, and it will feel good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course, so, he didn't know that I back. was going to volunteer him for that until right now. So, <laughs> so coming back uh, into this hour, we've got a bunch of uh, interesting topics for you. And the first one is um, it's a good one. We've got uh, a story here. Uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer has signed a ban on conversion therapy for minors. Um, joining a number of other states, uh, I think it's like 21 or something like that, that have banned conversion therapy um, treatment in those states. I'm guessing uh, Alabama is not one. I bet it's not. I'll I bet, bet Mississippi that that... isn't doing it either. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it brings – it's a good story in that, um, in the, you know, another state that, that it is um, – it is not allowed in, but you bring up a good point, which is it is really high time that there would be a federal ban on conversion therapy for minors. It's it's not it it's not accepted by any reputable mental health, public health, any kind of organization. It's it's roundly, you know, considered to be uh, a failure because it's not something that actually works and it's extremely destructive and abusive. Um, and it just, it just needs to go. And, you know, one of the things that I noted in the article about this, um, that of course I knew would be the case, but, um, is, is really a, a loophole that you can just drive, you know, a bus and a fucking parade through is that there's an exception for religious organizations which can, of course, continue to do whatever they want because as we have, de as we have defined our First Amendment, um, you get a complete get-out-of-jail-free card if you just say the word religion. Why not? I mean, the Catholics got a free get-out-of-jail card for so long uh, for, you know, members of the, of the priesthood uh, being able to sexually molest kids. I mean... It's just there's it's all just, kinds I, of nonsense where they are protected because of the veil of their religion. Look, I am not somebody who's picking on anybody because of their faith, but you know, it's ridiculous that they can not have to abide by the law of the land. Period. It should not be any exception for them or anyone else when it comes to that. I can understand even, you know, in, in as far as things like uh, same-gender marriage, I don't believe that we should be able to tell a church that they have to marry uh, two people of the same gender if that goes against their religion. But that is, that is a different thing than, you know, being able to program somebody with something that is detrimental and has been proven to push people towards high rates of suicide. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, in every situation there's about, there's a, a balancing act. But the thing is we've, we've swung the pendulum so far in terms of, of sort of just, you know, laying prostrate to the word religion and any concept thereof that, um, you know, I, I would argue you, know, you can't just say, oh, I think that, um, you know, that, that anyone who doesn't believe in our faith, uh, we can murder them, uh, you know, with impunity because religion like that's obviously a very extreme example. Right. 
um, that we don't allow that. You you don't get a get out of jail free card for murdering someone because they're not your religion or because your religion says that you get to. But what about um, you know, like you said, extreme emotional abuse and um, you know that leads to to suicide and leads to self abuse and leads to long term harm. Um, do we allow that? Do we just say, okay, well, you get to inflict that on a on a young person? Yeah, um, it technically you know, is the same the thing as you know. I would put it right up there. Maybe not, you know, like a pre planned, you know, premeditated murder, but it is uh, potentially, you know, like the same as a manslaughter or or somebody who is you know being charged with you know, uh, uh, you know, reckless homicide uh, as a result of that kind of thing. Right, because the thing is, when you read articles about people who have been subjected to conversion therapy, they they experience a form of death, actually, um, a death of the soul and a death of a childhood um, because their, you know, their sense of self is is put into complete question, um, you know, you know, whether it's done secularly or religiously, um, you know, it, it really is, it, it's a form of, of sort of, you know, immolation of that person's being. Has anybody in our audience actually been through conversion therapy or been told that they were going to be put there by their parents or, you know, um, were told they had to go and they ended up leaving home. I'd love to hear from somebody who's had firsthand experience with this because I personally, Richie and Chick, do not believe that anybody has successfully come through, quote-unquote, conversion therapy. I do not believe that anybody's sexual orientation has been changed by some sort of you know, brainwashing uh, organization. 760 Six seven seven zero one one one. If you have been uh, personally touched by a threat to have to go or being in a conversion therapy program, I'd love to hear from somebody and and get you know the perspective of somebody who's walked a day in those shoes. Yeah, because you know I remember back in the day, um, the two the two organizations that I remember sort of stick out in my mind were Exodus and Jonah, and both of which um, you know subjected countless kids to emotional and mental abuse, and later the you know the various founders all renounced it because you know they were living this ex-gay lie. And eventually we're like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, whoops, I'm actually totally gay and uh, never mind. But meanwhile, um, you know, they advocated for this type of treatment and, um, you know, and it caused a lot of grief for a lot of young people. Yeah, I know that our um, friend and listener, Leote, uh, was very close to a situation involving uh, involving this as well. Um, again, if somebody would like to call and give us, you know, kind of their firsthand uh, experience, 760-677-0111 on the GBC Happy Hour. But I will tell you that I, you know, um, it's funny you mentioned uh, 
uh, what was, was it Exodus or Exodus? Jonah? Exodus. Yeah. Um, because it was um, uh, what was his name? John Paul. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he and that uh, and they made a big campaign out of it uh, at the time back in the 1990s. Um, the guy who was running it, uh, he and his wife uh, or girlfriend or whatever they were supposed to be, they were supposedly a couple of ex-gays. Yep. And um, and a little while later, uh, after he had, you know, been out, you know, yelling from the stump about how successful the program was, he got caught in Mr. P's, which was a bar in the... Um, uh, DuPont Circle neighborhood of Washington, D.C., which is where a lot of the gay stuff is at. You know, it's kind of the gay hood there. And uh, he was caught by Wayne Besson, who at the time was the associate communications director at the Human Rights Campaign, and got confronted there. Well, of course, he eventually came out and admitted that, you know, he was a failure at converting. <laughs> <laughs> but it just it, it is so ridiculous to think that people could be changed uh, simply because, you know, they're going to pray away the gay. It's not going to happen. And yeah, and the thing is, you have you have these these like you know, Exodus was a big kind of splashy deal in the '90s, and it was completely discredited. But you know, basically, the same curriculum is is sloshing around in kind of backwaters, you know, across this country, you know, some janky churches, you know, in strip malls that basically are kind of taking the same playbook and subjecting children to harm. Yeah. They, in fact, the Exodus was uh, run as part of, uh, what's his name's, uh, focus on the family. Um, Dobson, Dobson, James Dobson. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a program that they ran out of their Colorado Springs headquarters, and and uh, just a just absolutely junk. It's junk, and you also the thing is when you look at something like an Exodus, and anytime you see anything like that, um, you know there there's a there's an, also an aspect of kind of charlatanism and money grabbing that yeah, happens there. Of course, you know, yeah. Um, it's it's parting people, parting desperate, bigoted people with their money. You know, how much money will you spend to to make your kid not gay anymore? You know, there's there's a there's a, there's a greed aspect to it too, because you know, at some level, the people who are running it, you know, who who are are faking being ex-gay or whatever, um, are just fleecing people, desperate people who think that they can ungay their kids. And so it's it, it's not only unseemly, but it's also just grotesque. There are some good films out there that are both um, dramatization as well as documentary, uh, showing, you know, what happens in you know in in these operations, and uh, it it just it rips your heart out to think that somebody is subjected to this. Anybody is subjected to this. Because you know that there's nothing wrong with them, and right. and it I don't know just uh, I've watched a number of those shows and I've interviewed a lot of people in the past who have gone you know through 
conversion therapy or you know um you know other programs that they try and re-engineer somebody and have failed you know i there's a guy who was he wrote a book at one point and he was a guy who basically went until he almost had graduated from liberty university which is the university run uh in lynchburg virginia by jerry falwell and finally came out as gay and <laughs> they kicked him out right before he graduated and right. you know and tried to fuck up his life for for freaking ever it just yeah. you know it's it's i believe there's there's a documentary i think it's on netflix called pray away which yes. i think actually even talks about exodus but yeah. that's kind of a good if you if you're not aware of this as a sort of whole thing um it's definitely worth looking into because um you know for in a in a lot of parts of the country um this is still a real issue and you know that that that's why you know you have these things like um you know Gretchen Whitmer signing a ban on conversion therapy it's not because it doesn't exist it's because it does in 2023 yeah well and i didn't even know until i saw her uh uh the governor of michigan's tweet this week i didn't know that she had a child who is part of the lgbtq uh community so oh i didn't know that either actually yeah. well she says it in her tweet when she talked about being proud she says as a mom of a member of the community and a proud lifelong ally i'm grateful that today we're banning the horrific practice of conversion therapy in michigan in doing so we are taking action to make michigan a more welcoming inclusive place yeah. So bravo to her, you know. And again, it's important to have allies in high places. But people who aren't even in high places can make a real difference too by, you know, talking with your friends, your straight friends, your allies, and letting them know how important they're communicating about the concerns that you have to other people and and spreading that, that's how we change hearts and minds. That's how we mm -hmm. end up seeing change happen when elections come upon us. So, um, by the way, for those who've been praying for more gay rather than, you know, to pray away the gay, I should mention that uh, today as we record this, which is Thursday, August the 3rd, I believe that today is the day, since you mentioned Netflix, Richie, that uh, that that uh, gay series from Britain is back, uh, Heartstopper. I think the new season. That's starts. right. Yes. I think I read that it was coming yeah, back I, on August the third. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched that, but I hear it's good. So there's something very gay for you to do uh, this week if if you're looking for something, and you know, maybe you're a little burned out on everything else on Netflix right now, so. <laughs> there you go. I I have to admit that I have, um, and I told Richie this last week, uh, I have gotten swallowed by a series that had been on television, cable television, for some time. I didn't realize that, but I've been sucked into it now on Netflix, and I can't break free of it, called Suits, which uh, <laughs> is centered around the legal profession which of course is uh how you earn your bread and butter 
Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with Suits. It's 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 both one of my most loved and loathed shows. Uh, but the characters in it are extremely um, beguiling. And um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, Lewis Litt um, and Harvey uh and the the whole the whole cast it, it's it's a very very just delicious show to just consume even though the premise is absolutely bonkers ridiculously you know sort of fantastical yeah although i will say you know um because you know i used to work at a large law firm they get a lot of the details of litigation kind of right the the premise the baseline premise is so baloney, but they get a lot of little things right. I mean, they had some good advisors, even though the whole the whole premise of the show uh, is laughable. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a great series, and it's actually slowed me down on watching another series. What do you do today? Oh, From you know what? Disney. We talked right through the break. Oh. <laughs> Okay, well, um, there we go. <laughs> the Happy Hour, where the drinks are half price, the snacks are complimentary, and the hosts just won't shut up. <laughs> exactly, we just won't shut up. We'll just talk right through the break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but we will, we will transition into the next segment uh, because this story is... It's a little bit of, I mean, like, it's not a, a huge national news story, but it is actually just kind of a funny one, frankly. So this guy was filmed uh, having a meltdown in a Petco because they had, of all things, a gender-neutral bathroom. Oh, my God, no. Can you believe it? No. And... Uh, that just that just and the thing is that the video is um, you know try to search online I'm sure you'll find it uh, one of the things that's funny is um, he's there with his dog in the Petco yeah and he's wearing you know a I believe the shirt says it's it has like you know the flag on it it's a black and white shirt with a flag that says we the people and I think underneath it says are pissed off or something like that so he's he's one of those he's you know a male Karen yeah uh, but uh, his dog while he's ranting and raving is just pulling away from him, just trying to get out of the door. The Did dog you is embarrassed. See the video? What was that? Did you see the video? Did you watch the video? Who me? You. No, I, no, I, I was asking, uh, if Richie saw the video. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I'd only seen a screenshot from it, but I'm, I'm seeing it now. So, um, yeah, I was going to ask about that because, uh, the dog didn't look very happy to be there. The dog is miserable. The dog is like, dad, you are embarrassing me. And <laughs> the people who work there to their credit were like, yeah, like, sorry, get out of here. <laughs> like, we don't care about your issues with the gender neutral bathroom. Like get, get, get out of here. Yeah. And I will say, cause this brings up, a uh, a, a, a an issue or not an issue, but a thing is like, I feel like there's a, there's a world in which bathroom designs could 
there's there are different options. I have to say there's because there's a Whole Foods in in Manhattan in Bryant near Bryant Park, and I love this bathroom because it is a non-gender bathroom. And what it is is you walk in, and there's a bank of sinks, and then there's just a bank of stalls, closed stalls. Yeah. And there's no men's, there's no women's, there's no, you know, no non-binary. No, it's just a bathroom. bathroom. It's literally a bathroom, and you just have about eight stalls and then sinks. And so everyone just kind of uses – and the stalls are, you know, full um, floor-to-ceiling right. coverage. Yeah. Like, that's – that's great. No like, glory why? hole or anything. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. I said no glory hole or anything. No glory. No glory holes. I mean, at least none that I've encountered there. But um, but yeah, I just the, the idea that that just having the option of a gender neutral bathroom was so triggering to this guy yeah. that he had to melt down. Um, like, jeez, uh, he has been. I I, I would. I would love to see what his um, Facebook feed and Google history look like. Yeah, Karen.com. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm so tired of these people, and yet I want to consider myself a tolerant person. But us being expected to be tolerant of the intolerant is just gotten it's gone too far and i mean what they should have told him is sir you must check your pet at the door you can't take your pet into the bathroom it's not pet neutral yeah no they should they should have told the pet to check check its owner at the door because the owner was clearly not house trained yeah well, there's just no excuse for that kind of rudeness. And, you know, what's it going to hurt him? I mean, this is the this is the this is the central question. This is the thing is that there are some people and I, and I will say many me, most of them probably men who literally think that like if they use a gender neutral bathroom or even just like acknowledge the existence of trans people that their dick will actually fall off. Like it, like their, their masculinity is so fragile that, that just being forced to use a bathroom that might've been used by a, a woman or a trans person or someone else like that, that literally just destroys their sense of self. It's actually kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, we going to go hole up in a in a stall and sit there and wait to listen to people grunt and you know do their business i mean right and, it's and, fucking and, stupid and, and news news flash you know you know what's in general neutral bathroom the bathroom on the airplane yeah uh like what so you you're just not going to use that one because like it what like what what it just like boggles my mind. I mean, it's just like what you you think you can't like take a big steaming dump because it's gender neutral. Like I I just don't understand. I don't get it. It just it just boggles my mind. Well, we have a friend whose nickname is Avatar, and he works in airplanes, and he's often known for taking certain kinds of photographs in 
the restrooms on the airplanes. I think that those should just be posted without any labels on them and should be used to scare people like, you know, like this guy off, you know. Like, I'd be happier if, if knuckleheads like this were not using the bathrooms. At all, yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah, hold it. Hold it until landing. Stay with us. There's a lot more to come on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Chick Maxson. I'm Johnny Mack. Appreciate you being along. And 760-677-0111. If you've got a problem with anybody using the same bathroom as you do, uh, give us a shout. Love to hear what you've got to say about that. 760-677-0111. Afraid to pee next to a vagina if you've got the other thing? Let us know. You think these guys aren't interesting enough without you joining the show? You're probably right. 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111. Operators are standing by right now. Probably. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to the happy hour. Um, so, uh, speaking of the former president, um, I... I got a certain ad recently, I think it was on Facebook, and I was appalled to discover that there is a Trump National Golf Club in the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Dutchess County. Thankfully, not in Ulster, which is my county. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was trumpeting itself uh, as a great place to play golf. Um, but, uh, you know, I might have to go see if they have any uh, gender neutral bathrooms there. Um, but anyway, um, so the next segment, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot of stories. Obviously it's, uh, um, an important thing that we have to think about. It's not an LGBTQ issue per se, except it's an everyone issue, which is, um, this summer has been really hot. We've had fires, uh, in the Mojave, I believe we've had fires in Canada We've had a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Coral bleaching uh, in Florida has been uh, at an alarming and devastating rate. And uh, we thought it would kind of be important to just kind of mention the fact that we are existing in a world where climate change is rapidly happening. Yeah. Somebody turned the oven up and thinks that we're in a living Hansel and Gretel story. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, because I was trying to, I was thinking about, you know, what, what our angle can be on this, you know, what to talk about. Because, um, you know, I think anyone who's listening to this show, uh, not ev- everyone, but hopefully most people uh, believe that climate change exists, that man-made climate change is a thing. And I guess my question is sort of, um, what are what do we do with this reality? Um, you know, as individuals, what do we do with it? Um, you know, how 
how do we process um, something that is a sort of extinction level event slowly happening before our eyes? Um, how do we deal with that without hopelessness? Um, or is hopelessness sort of like the only thing to do? I mean, like, what, what do we do with this? What do we do about this? Well, the first thing I did was go to Facebook and find one of those lame ads that was advertising this device that you put around your neck and it blows air on you, cold <laughs> air on you. And I thought, well, that'll keep me cool at least as often as I can refill it with water and keep the batteries going. And then I can do what so many have done for so long, which is go, I don't care. It's somebody else's problem. I don't have any kids. I don't need to worry about them getting, you know, uh, cooked to death. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I think that that is how so many people have dealt with this issue. But as we tend to have in our community, um, a lot of interaction between people of various generations. I have a lot of friends who are in, you know, I'm, I am right at the very end of the baby boomers, like another year. And I would have been considered Gen X. And I have a lot of friends who are in the millennial and the Gen Z categories. And sometimes I think that my friends who are Gen Zers, um, are, overreacting and getting very dramatic about things like global warming. And then other times I'm scared to death for them because I realize this is a real problem. And I've always believed that it's not that I've just suddenly gotten on board with it, but they are really concerned about it. And they're really mad at previous generations that have ignored the warnings and have taken kind of a who gives a rat's ass approach to it. And I think it's upon all of us now that we see it uh, clear as day to do everything we can to support the initiatives that are being done in our country and elsewhere around the world and to work collectively to support those people who are trying to take action to do things that are going to, if not reverse, at least slow down our movement towards this planet, you know, melting. And, um, you know, and that starts, it's one of the reasons that I choose, despite listening to all the people bitching about California and, you know, how taxed we are and how this regulation and that regula regulation uh, screws with everything. Um, the regulations that they have in the state of California when it comes to envir environmental things and with regards to uh, the timeline that we're supposedly going to be um, transitioning into various forms of, you know, green energy, the fact that this is the largest car sales market in the United States of America, California is. Mm -hmm. and, and the impact that because of California setting the standard that there will be no new cars with the combustion engine sold after 2035, um, 
you know, that so too shall the rest of the nation go. And, and people don't like that. They don't like having to, you know, have a place like California telling them what to do. Though they should because there's a lot of states that rely on states like California and New York to pick up their tab for all the things that they reach upon the coffers of the federal government for. But point being, I love living here because people here really want to make as big of a contribution to those changes to protect people's lives in as many ways as possible as soon as possible. And so uh, I don't have a bitch about living here and paying higher taxes and, you know, all the regulations that are in place because I think that if you don't do that and don't have the, you know, don't have the wherewithal to, you know, get started yesterday, um, you're part of the problem, not the solution. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I have a lot, like a lot of, um, I think it's a super complicated topic because I think there, there's, I think it's a, it's a topic of global complication because there's also global inequities because a lot of the carbon usage that has made certain com- certain countries have gotten rich off of a century of carbon usage mm-hmm. and other con- co- countries are like, wait, we want that. We want to get, we want to burn a bunch of carbon to get rich ourselves. Um, and we're telling, you know, and, and then, you know, the whole world is basically being told like, no, no more carbon. And so like, well, wait a second, that's not fair. So there's like a kind of a globe, there's a, a global inequity problem. But then there's also the issue that like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of adults are like, I'd do anything for my kids. Well, the kids are telling you that you have to do something now. Like you have to inconvenience yourself now. You have to set your thermostats higher. You have to maybe drive a car that isn't as fun to drive. Like you have to you have to actually inconvenience yourself so that there will be a world left for them. But that's not alluring to people. People love like the idea of like a quick fix, like an easy thing. This is not one where there's that answer. And so like it's very troubling for me to think about because there's just there's the the global angle, there's a global equity angle, there's there's a generational equity angle. And then there's just the, what do I do as an individual now question? Because it's a collective action problem. Um, so that's all really makes it really, really challenging to think about. Well, let's go back to the phone lines. And uh, our friend Jordy has called back in because I guess he is motivated to want to do something on this front. Hey, Jordy. Oh, awesome. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> Indeed you are. How's everybody? Welcome back. Good. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just, I think this is the first summer um, of my recollection that it is, I mean, there have been other summers, but not anything to this, um, like, kilter. Um, you know, there were, there were the fires in California, I think it was, like, last summer. Um, but... Um, it, it, we've passed a, a, a threshold here. Um, I, I feel like they are not telling us um, 
that, you know, we've gone too far. I think that's already happened in my personal opinion. That's how I feel. Um, I mean, if you look globally, um, it's happening everywhere. I mean, there were, there was flooding in China, um, India, there, there's fires in Spain, um, fires in Canada. I mean, we have, we've really passed a, a, a serious threshold where they really need to get their act together and they need to get it together fast. And truthfully, I mean, it's terrifying um, to think that we're, we're now cooking in an oven. Um, we've now hit global boiling, as they're now calling it. And, you know, I, I fear for, I fear for children. Um, you know, I think it's incredibly selfish now, just in my personal opinion, I think it's incredibly selfish now to have children in a, in a world that is, um, slowly going to shit. And it's actually not even slowly going to shit anymore. It's actually, um, happening right before our eyes. And there's like really hardly anything we can do about it. Um, we're doing our best, I think, but um, there needs to be more done. Yeah, we've kind of yeah. reached the stage of um, microwaving everybody. Well, and yeah. you bring up, a, I mean, another really interesting point, which is um, like these really almost sci. We've entered an a, a, an era, sort of an era where there's almost sci-fi level ethical questions, you know, I mean, the idea that, mm -hmm. that is it ethical to, or, you know, to bring a child into this world, um, both for that child's benefit, you know, whether for that child's existence and resource wise, you know, and that sort of cuts against a lot of countries are actually really trying to boost their populations because countries like China, which had, you know, a very authoritarian one child policy, realized that there was a replacement issue, you know, sort of in terms of aging populations. And so for economic reasons, they're now trying to get the population rate up and the, the repopulation rate up. And so you have these kind of cross purposes of kind of capitalistic ideas that you have to increase your population for economic growth cutting against environmental and ethical questions about wh whether that makes sense. I mean, these are really thorny questions that like, there's no good answer for. Absolutely. And um, I mean, I was, I was just in Peru. Um, if you remember, um, mm -hmm. it was winter, it was winter in Peru um, and it was hot. Um, and now um, I was reading articles, uh, I believe it was last, last night, I, I read an article that um, there are temperatures peaking at 100 degrees in like Chile. Um, and Chile, is, you know, I'm sure there are different geographical areas, but uh, by and large, I think uh, Patagonia is a, <laughs> is a pretty cold place. Um, and, right. uh, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's mind boggling to believe that um, you know, we have allowed um, corporate greed and banks and oil companies um, and, and politicians to uh, fill their lining. And um, as unfortunate as it is, I mean, you have to think about um, the species of animals and plants and, um, you know, all the things, all the beautiful things in this world, they're going to be lost. Um, mm -hmm. I, my, my, my thought process on this is um, you both know me personally. Um, I'm a pretty hopeful person, um, but I'm going to travel as much as I can um, in the next 
you know, a couple of years, um, every time I go on a trip, I'm going to do something in the natural world. I'm going to go see, uh, I just came back from Machu Picchu, um, but um, I'm looking at doing uh, Africa. Um, I want to do Australia. I want to do the Great Barrier Reef. Um, you know, the, these are these are things that we need to be able to still see um, yeah. and hold them dear to our heart. So that's what I have to say. Jordy, thanks again Absolutely. for calling. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. You bet. We'll thanks, Jordy. talk to you soon. And if you'd like to join us, you can as well. 760-677-0111 is our phone number at GBC Happy Hour. With Chick Maxson and Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack. And still to come, we're going to talk about products that we like or not. And you can join that conversation too. Again, 760-677-0111 on the GBC Happy Hour. once a week, but the happy hour is always available on demand as a podcast wherever you prefer to get them. The hosts will tell you where, if you ask nicely. Apple. And well, and welcome back. Google. <laughs> uh, tune in. Yeah. Uh, Spotify. Stitcher. Nice. Yeah. You know, we thought we were going to go on to the iHeart app, but we're not, because I just found out the other day that it was uh, a mess. Hey, <laughs> I know we're going to talk about products and services that we want to recommend or or recommend against, um, but I'd like to start this segment off, if you don't mind, uh, by explaining something. Uh, people who went to the GayBC.com website this week probably noticed that something disappeared. And so I need to explain that because uh, we were just getting ready to do a lot more promotion of the fact that we have a store, a company store on there where you could buy swag, including items for the GBC Happy Hour. And when somebody made a purchase this past week of some stuff, I got an email and I was like, that's weird. I need to check something. And what I found out was that as they were ordering, the vendor was not going to be paying us or the the, the service that does the, the payment was not going to pay us for 21 days, yet they were billing my personal credit card for the goods right then and there. And I'm like, um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to be fronting everybody's purchases for the better part of a month. So I would highly recommend uh, if people are going to do online stores, don't use Shopify. <laughs> um, so there, I'll start it off with that. Um, we are going to bring back a, uh, you know, a GBC goodies store. It, we just have to work out something. We're working on something else with another vendor, and hopefully it'll be up in the next couple of weeks. So my apologies. And, uh, 
you know, if nothing else, we'll give you another way to to get the stuff. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to be in possession of some pretty valuable, I think, uh, you know, collector's items in another few years. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're doing so we, you know, last week we did some recommendations Um and this week we thought we would do it again, but it could be either a recommendation or a demerit. If there is a product that one of us loves, that's fine. If there's a product that one of us uh, wants to steer our listenership clear of, that is another option. So, Chick, uh, do you have a do you have a recommendation or a demerit this week? Um, could you come back to me on that? Sure. So I will go with. Um, is a recommendation <laughs> because we are speaking of of the summer and the heat and everything. Um, sunscreen is important. Don't don't skimp on the sunscreen. Um, you gotta wear it. It's important. And there's a brand called Vacation, and they make us. They make a whole line of sunscreen products. Um, they make a cream. They make uh, an oil. They make a actually a foam that it, that comes in like a whipped cream type of uh, dispenser that you actually dispense a foam that it, that looks like whipped cream, um, all of which smell. It's like a Proustian Madeleine. It smells like sunscreen in 1986, just like this coconut banana, perfect sunscreen smell. It is so enjoyable to wear. The packaging is all really 80s. It's very vintage style, but uh, you know it's 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 a modern product. You know SPF 30 uh, for the cream, SPF 50 for the facial spritz. Um, very high quality product, but it's the smell. It's just like it makes you feel like you are at the beach. And every person that I've exposed to this product has bought it themselves because you just that's what you want sunscreen to smell like you want it to smell like bananas and coconut and pool and lycra and just that whole vibe it's it's an amazing amazing sunscreen so that's my recommendation smells yummy yeah uh so so let's see and so so you had a demerit Johnny do you have a do you have a recommendation this I week or just do, a I do I do and it's and it's going to promote a local business here in Palm Springs but one that uh, sells to people worldwide okay so um, I don't know and if you're uh, diabetic uh, you probably shouldn't listen to me um, I am but sometimes I cheat Um we have a brand of toffee that is made here in the Coachella Valley called Brandini Toffee, B-R-A-N-D-I-N-I. And their website is Brandini Toffee, B-R-A-N-D-I-N-I-T-O-F-F-E-E.com. And this is uh, truly like, I guess crack cocaine. I, I never used crack, but uh, from the way that people get addicted to it, uh, I'm going to assume that it is uh, a legal incarnate of that. And they make it uh, in boxes of toffee. Also, um, 
They make popcorn and other things that are uh, mixed with it, and uh, and they make. Uh, well, they have here locally. When you go into one of their outlets here locally in the area, if you come to visit Palm Springs. They uh, have these incredible uh, ice cream bars and things like that. I love this mm. place. This is um, truly delectable, and um, you can uh, order boxes or bags of this stuff uh, and gift boxes and all that is available online at their store. A one-pound box of almond toffee is $35. It has a great story behind it, too, because... Um, it started out as a project with two high school students and their senior class trip to Italy. And to raise the money to go, um, these two students uh, ended up creating this toffee. And one of the students, his dad was uh, executive at a local hotel, large, large resort hotel. And they were able to use the kitchen there initially to start making this stuff. It became so popular in the area that um, they ended up on the uh, Martha Stewart show and on Oprah Winfrey, and uh, and it just it turned into a huge success story. So um, check it out if you like toffee, if you like sweets, it's it's really delicious. And I love mm, the I, toffee popcorn, which comes in a twelve ounce bag for seventeen bucks. And um, I will be checking this out. I will be getting some of this because I love toffee. I'm a huge fan of um, I mean, growing up. Almond Roca was a huge, was a very special treat in our house. Um, the pink canister and the little uh, gold foil wrapped things. Uh, we graduated to the C's Toffeeettes, which was kind of the C's version of that, which is better than the Almond Roca. Yeah. Um, and any chance I have to get toffee, I am all for. I mean, even, you know, it, push comes to chub, I'll go to a gas station and get a score or a Heath. But um, I have the, been this to the Almond Roca factory. It is made in Tacoma, Washington, and my dad's cousin worked there. So we used to go get uh, Brown and Haley yeah. Mountain Bars, which is the company that makes it mountain bars and sell them for uh fundraising for scouts <laughs> yeah oh my god that used to be like literally i thought like i was very into fancy things yeah uh growing up as a little fancy boy and almond roca was like the pinnacle like that was that was like living living large that was my like my, my um what was his name robin leach moment yep. was when we got some almond almond rocas so yeah i will be getting some brandinis um but before but lest we forget chick uh, uh demerit or recommendation mine is a recommendation and i thought of it because john was talking about popcorn um there's a popcorn that i tried the other day that is called popcorn indiana that's the brand name <laughs> and their movie butter or yeah their movie butter Movie theater butter popcorn mm. tastes just exactly like you would expect from a movie theater. I only tr the first time I bought it was just a couple weeks ago, but it is so unbelievably good. Ooh, good to know. Yeah, that might. That, I mean, that might actually. I might have to check into that because um, I haven't yet had a chance to go see either Barbie or Oppenheimer, but I've got some movies I want to watch at home. So maybe uh. I'll pick up some. Was he Indiana? Uh, popcorn Indiana. 
popcorn and okay might have to check some of that out <laughs> awesome so we got sunscreen we got toffee and we got popcorn um i think that's a good that's a good a good assortment <laughs> and we will continue to um i think with you know each week we will bring you some some uh gbc approved and disapproved products um and you know if anyone wants to weigh in uh you know please feel free to call in uh you know next episode and give us your thoughts if you tried any of these out or if you have recommendations of your own we'll see you live next thursday eight eastern seven central six mountain five pacific right here at gbc.com for richie roy and chick maxson i'm johnny mack and may your shadow fall in pleasant places this week This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. News, talk, and entertainment without the gaslight. MutualPodcast.com. <laughs>